Welcome to Gray Matter Conversations. I'm Timothy Maurice Webster, a behavioral psychology author, and I'm delighted to bring you the latest in our Dialogue podcast series, a series designed to support and build our collective entrepreneurship development in South Africa. Through the Gray Matter Conversations, the Allegray Orbis Foundation seeks to initiate conversations that will enable us to share, debate, interrogate, and learn in order to build a community of advisors and connectors, as well as create a collective voice into issues related to entrepreneurship, education, and development. In this latest episode, I will be in conversation with Yogaveli Nambiar, the CEO of the Alan Gray Orbis Foundation, who recently shared her insights about entrepreneurship education being a human right in a TEDx talk. Yoga and I explore the need for a mindset shift and why this human right is so urgent. We began our conversation with Yogi sharing how views of entrepreneurship has shifted over time from an exclusive money-making club of mavericks to creative community innovators seeking to make an impact. Enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. I think that shift has been a really important one. Um, going from a very individualistic, capitalist um kind of mindsets and, and not that that has disappeared, that still exists, but um, there's been a greater shift to a new generation of young people who see that entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial thinking can be used for, as the foundation um, calls it, for the common good. And, and that's where this shift is, is that it's not just about entrepreneurship and, and what you can create for yourself, but it's about how do you achieve a spirit of significance? How do you create success outside of yourself and your own immediate needs? Um, so that's a really great starting point because it then says you could apply this entrepreneurial thinking in many different formats, in different sectors, in different ways. It's not just about starting your own business, but perhaps you could be entrepreneurial within a corporate uh, setting. You could use this entrepreneurial thinking to create a social enterprise that responds to major social challenges of our time. So it's really coming down to how do I solve a problem? How do I create value for others and for the world? And that, that is a shift that I believe will define the way entrepreneurship is, is taught and engaged with going forward. After wonderfully setting the stage, Yogi began exploring how the pandemic has placed an even greater spotlight on entrepreneurship. So the pandemic is, is a, a fantastic example of this VUCA world that we've heard so much about. And I speak about this at length in the TEDx talk. Um, VUCA standing for volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. So this term was coined um, in around 1987. Um, the U.S. Uh, Army War College had coined this concept to describe the chaotic world that was a consequence of the Cold War. So since 2019, this coronavirus crisis has made the VUCA world real for us. And we've found that if ev everything that you you describe about the pandemic relate to it being volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. So it then begs the question, as I ask in, in the TEDx talk, 
What have we done differently since 1987 to prepare for this VUCA world? And, and how have we gotten young people to think entrepreneurially so that when this crisis hits, um, as it has now, and a new crisis will emerge in future at some point, how do we um, capacitate them so that they are able to deal with this crisis in the, in the best, most proactive and most... Um, uh, um, the most encouraging way for themselves and, and the most beneficial way for the world. Um, so this crisis has just escalated and accelerated the need for that kind of thinking, for solutions to be found. If you think about it, as much as there have been many sort of disadvantages or the challenges, difficulties around this uh, crisis, but they've also been opportunities. And so we need to get young people thinking about how do I find the opportunity in the midst of that crisis? And we've had Alan Gray Fellows actually step up in this way. Um, Deneo and Daniel, um, and we've spoken to Deneo before. They were awarded scholarships to, to um, study at university. They received entrepreneurship education. And it, it played this pivotal role in them wanting to channel their entrepreneurial energy for the common good. And, and they found this mutual desire to advance the African biotech sector. So they were able to consolidate their interests into an entrepreneurial venture focused on genomics and diagnostics. And when the pandemic hit, these entrepreneurs saw an opportunity to contribute to the country's response and they developed rapid testing kits. And that's what we want to capacitate young people to be able to do that. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's chaotic. But how do I find opportunity in the midst of that? The conversation really intensified as Yogi unpacked the need for mindset shifts, tackling youth learned helplessness and the role we all can play by thinking more entrepreneurially. Over time, we can develop when faced with all these different challenges and, and, um, and the difficulties, the burdens of, of how much there is out there to solve, we can get into this um, phase of this learned helplessness. And, and it was a, a concept that was, um, that was spoken about by Martin Seligman, who's the father of, uh, of positive psychology. And I've referenced him before. It, uh, this learned helplessness makes you feel like you can't do anything, right? That, um, that it's just too big for you. And so that is why it helps to have the king, the government, the whoever, this this larger than life kind of body or personality to be able to take care of those things because you on your own feel helpless to respond to, to these problems and challenges. And what this entrepreneurial thinking helps helps you to do is actually develop a sense of learned optimism that hold on, I actually have the agency to be able to do something about this, that I have a, a role to play um, and, and that I have the wherewithal. I, I can access the resources, the tools that within me lies the ability to find solutions. I mean, that's very empowering. The second part 
that um, that I wanted to mention in relation to this is that there, there's been this myth created that entrepreneurs are born, not made. So it it enables us to look at the entrepreneur as somebody almost, you know, um, if I wasn't born that, if I don't look like that, if I don't talk or walk like that or behave like that, then I'm I'm not that, you know, and I, I almost self-select out of being entrepreneurial because I wasn't born that. But there's no such thing, right? These are fundamental skills that one can learn and, and like um, using an analogy of, let's say, playing the piano. So everyone can learn the skill. But yes, some people perhaps have a greater talent or propensity to learn it quicker. Uh, some people, you know, do it in a way that's so fluid and fluent that um, that you think, oh, they must have been born with that. But then, like, they weren't born playing the piano, right? So we would understand that that's a ridiculous notion. They weren't born just knowing that. They they did develop that that skill and and their individual nuance and um, and and talent rose up to be able to add something more to it. And that's the case with um, being an entrepreneur, being entrepreneurial, that it's open to everyone. It's accessible, but we almost relegate it to this thing that it's it's um, sort of a myth and there's this magical person who can do it. And I think once we accept that we all have it um, at our disposal, then we realize that, oh, so it's just a matter of how I connect this and that. It's just in relation to how I respond to a problem. Oh, it's just about learning how to access the relevant resources that I, I need. And suddenly, everyone is invited into the conversation. Now it's, now it's for all of us, right? And I think that is something fundamental that we need to have sink in with young people because we already see it. Society makes them self-select out because it's like, oh, you're not an entrepreneur. You're not entrepreneurial material. I mean, what does that even mean? So I think that I think that that is um, an an important you know both those points are important for us to pick up on. If you haven't already, make sure you go and watch Yogi's TEDx talk. What we're about to explore now is one of the big highlights: how entrepreneurship is a human right. There are several um, factors that are, is making the future look quite messy, disruptive, chaotic. Um, and, and now the, the, the young people of, of the future are going to be faced with the decisions we're making today. So the more we're messing up, whatever we're messing up in the planet, whether that be from a social, economic, or um, environmental perspective, the young people of the future are going to have to deal with that. So if that is what they are being set up for, then we equally need to impart the skills that they need to deal with this, um, with this uncertain, volatile, um, you know, complex, ambiguous future. So we need to impart to them what an entrepreneurial mindset and, and thinking can allow you to do. Um, in addition to this whole VUCA 
world. Um, it's estimated, and I referenced this as well, estimated that around 85% of the jobs that today's learners will be doing in 2030 have not yet been invented. So, um, and, and these figures, you know, uh, change, but I think the, the, the core of it is that while there are jobs that uh, will be created by all the disruptions that, that are happening, digital and automation and artificial intelligence, there will be jobs created, but, um, and, and those will be more than those that are lost, but it's not happening at a quick enough rate. So if you think about the unemployment rates we talk about now, and we've now hit sort of record highs in South Africa on, on a rate that was already high enough before. So now if you're thinking even the, the young people who will have jobs are going to be in jobs that they don't even recognize and that they had not been um, upskilled for. Um, we know also that Africa will have the world's largest workforce, larger than that of either China or India by 2035, right? So again, we'll, if we extrapolate um, current uh, percentages of unemployment to that group, so if we're going to have about a billion people, young people in, um, in uh, Africa by 2035, and 300 million of them are unemployed. Can we even imagine the, the, the security risks of that, the mass migration that will happen, the poverty, um, the criminal activity? I mean, it, you know, it's, there will be 300 million desperate people. Um, and and with no solution. And as we know, um, again, that I make reference to that women suffer the brunt of most of these challenges. So we've got this VUCA world. We've, we know what the population numbers are, are estimated or projected to be. We've got a significantly changing world of work. Um, we've got sort of rampant unemployment heading towards us uh, and, and we in South Africa are already um, experiencing. So with such high levels of poverty, of inequality, um, of, of what we can see coming to us, we have to acknowledge that the formulas of the past, the way we've been educating young people, the way that we um, we look at this this kind of progression of school, university, or, or, or TVET college, um, and then work, and, and basically hope that you will make enough through your job until you get to a point where you retire. That doesn't hold true anymore. And we've seen that when we get to a COVID, when there's mass retrenchments and, and that kind of thing, we've seen that these formulas of the past don't work anymore. So what are we doing differently? And that is why I believe that entrepreneurship education is a human right, because like any other human right, whether it be sort of air, water, you know, um, access to education, freedom, all of these things, this is fundamental to help young people cope with that future that we are, are, are handing over to them. I really hope Yogi's point about how entrepreneurship can influence the world we leave our children and our children's children, I hope that hits home. 
Before we continue, I'd like to share a snippet of upcoming episodes, conversations with our inspiring foundation fellows, some of Africa's innovative young entrepreneurs, as well as key role players throughout the entrepreneurship ecosystem. Yeah. Well, thanks, Tim. I think there are a number of things that have shaped me. Um, I'll go into some in detail, but uh, I think family has been a big thing. Uh, having a good network of friends who are principled has shaped me a lot, especially in this industry of transport. Most people are usually trying to cut corners, uh, but having a group of people who believe the same faith as me and strengthen me in each and every activity has helped me a great deal. But to dive into my entrepreneurship journey, I never forget um, the story is pretty funny, so please brace for it. Um, when I was young, my mom and dad used to give me a lunchbox or they'd give me, um, you know, lunch money. And I used to play soccer during break, first break, second break, and I'd always come back sweating. Um, and I used to love juice, not water. I was a big fan of juice. I would be, you know, I'd, I'd go to break, wouldn't have any money to purchase juice. And so one day my parents had made an investment into this company that was enabling you to do mobile payments. This is way back, like 2004. Um, and then they gave me this platform and I was able to sell airtime in the class to all my colleagues and I made a lot of money out of it. So then I was able to not just buy like one carton of juice, I was able to buy a couple number of juices. And, you know, at that point I realized that, hey man, this technology thing is quite powerful because it was very tangible. We can't wait to share these inspiring, full conversations with our fellows. Now back to my conversation with Yogi. Yogi then begins to shift and share about the importance of thinking entrepreneurially, whether you're going to become an entrepreneur or not. So actually, the professor and author John Spencer also said not every student will become an entrepreneur, but they will all someday need to think like one. And I think that's what we get when we talk about entrepreneurship and an entrepreneurial mindset, we use them interchangeably and people get stuck on this thing like, oh, no, I, you know, I don't want to actually start my own business or, you know, and then they, um, as I said earlier, self-select out of that. But an entrepreneurial mindset is about so much more. It's about um, a different, more engaging lens on the world. It's one that allows you to look at the world with curiosity, um, look at problems with critical thinking and find opportunities when others can't see past what's immediately in front of them. So it's the sense of actively engaging with the world rather than waiting for things to come to you. And, and again, referencing the learned helplessness, sort of sitting back and saying, um, you know, that oh, there's nothing I can do about this. So you're putting yourself out there in the world. You're looking at the world differently. And that's when those lucky connections and accidents happen. So uh, Gary Shunigo, who is from the Entrepreneurial Learning Initiative uh, based in the U.S. and someone who we work with quite closely, um, he says the fundamental building block of an entrepreneurial mindset is finding out how to make yourself useful to others. Wow. And, and when we think about that, that sounds so, that sounds like something I can do, right? And that you can do, everyone can, can, um, can look at. It's like, how can I be useful? What problem can I solve? You know, oh, here's something I'm complaining about. Is there an opportunity in there to do something differently, to create something new? So how do I critically think about things and how do I engage with it with agency, knowing that, that I have the ability to learn and grow, to add value 
um, and I'm I'm not somebody who um, who who has to kind of sit back and wait for um, a job to come my way or to wait for an opportunity to come uh, my way. So um, the Alan Gray Orbis Foundation um, did a, a study on uh, 1,200 South African startup and established entrepreneurs. Um, we've spoken to this before. There were 14 key mental attributes and, and competencies that we found that they share. And these range from a growth mindset to opportunity recognition and assessment, problem solving, action orientation, adaptability, resilience, and among others. So these competencies when when they're broken down and the way that we work with them at the foundation as well is we look to identify how those key competencies show up in the young people that we are selecting right so they go through an entire selection process we look to identify that and what we do through their entire time with us because ours is a long-term investment in young people. Uh, uh, one would say almost a lifetime investment in young people, right? And, and so we then seek to nurture those competencies in different ways so that they grow and they have that mindset that even if they don't start a business, we know that in whatever environment they will use that entrepreneurial thinking. So when you break it down like that, the entrepreneurial mindset becomes very accessible to uh, to everyone. And it's something we should be teaching and and celebrating in our homes, in, in offices, in, you know, in, in the workplace and in schools and universities, everywhere. We should have role models that that we're putting up to to say this is what an entrepreneurial mindset is and can look like. We can do all the talking we want, but we have to design a culture that enables young people to become more entrepreneurial to support them on their journey. Yogi drives this point home beautifully. You know, one of the the key things that comes to mind is changing the narrative about this. Because as we've been talking, right, and you're saying you're thinking about it, it's landing in a different way. And sometimes our languaging of something um, either makes it sound really difficult and unattainable, or it can sound like something really inspiring and motivating that, that I also want to be a part of. And I know that it's accessible and available to me. If we can change the narrative to the latter to make it make young people see that this is something that is achievable, um, that this is something available to them, that it's something that they need for the future, then um, then they will engage with it differently. As as I mentioned, more of them will join that conversation, and it'll become something that is um, is seen as as accepted and celebrated and not where um, you know you're you're discouraged from behaving in this way that people don't look at you and say oh this person's crazy you know he needs to just get a job and and I've had that when um, a, a former student of mine um, actually said that when she tells her family or friends that she's an entrepreneur their response is so basically you're unemployed <laughs> so so if so if that's the response you're getting, 
<laughs> then you can see how it can be demotivating. It can be discouraging. Why would I want to, you know, get into that? It's not something that is is being celebrated. So changing the narrative, I believe, is important. The, the second thing, and I mentioned just now about putting the spotlight on role models and, 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 you know, and these need to be relatable role models, role models that young people can look at and say, okay, this person didn't just go from zero to 100 and they're successful, but actually they have had many failures. They've hit their head up against the wall. They've, they've, they've you know, fallen and gotten up and, and they've been resilient and this is what it can mean to me. This is what it can look like. So interestingly, in a study that I did with women entrepreneurs in um, townships in, in South Africa, in uh, three provinces, um, many of the women actually said to me that, that they felt to build a successful business, they needed a man at the helm of it. So they, would, they, wow. they started the business, they'll build it to a certain point, but when it comes to really achieve skill, they'll need to get a man in. And when I asked them why, well, they said, I've never seen a woman heading up a big, <laughs> a big company. Um, and granted, this is in the townships now. So, so the, even if they are, you know, really, uh, and, and they are really good um, uh, and successful women entrepreneurs, these are now seeping into our consciousness and into the messaging. Um, in, in the media and in, in different uh, platforms. But in these townships, they hadn't seen that. So they, they still thought that they literally needed to step away from their own business if it needed to, to uh, achieve scale. And that shows you the power of having role models. So I think that's really important. And then the third thing I'm, I'm going to just say about this is that it really needs to be integrated into our core curriculum. You know, um, it, it's, it's strange to me that with all the disruption and all the changes that have happened in various sectors and industry across centuries, that this space of teaching and learning, the education sector, has pretty much stayed the same. We've got the sage on the stage. We've got uh, particular types of or ways of assessing um, young people, and um, and 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 uh, you know it's all about memorizing facts, and it's about uh, being able to to uh, see who remembers the most, uh, you know, in an exam, and and that's only one way of testing people, right? And that's only one way of showing knowledge and many times you forget anyway what you've you've written in that in that uh, exam uh, you know years later it's not it hasn't integrated so we have uh, through our education system told young people that there is one right answer and there's a particular way in which you um, get to that answer and and so actually we find we're in a world where there's many right answers there's many ways to 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 get to it and we need to be able to allow people to fail to use different ways of learning to um, you know to apply their entrepreneurial thinking within a classroom 
to be able to solve problems, to think critically, etc. And we're not doing that. We're still running with the same way of teaching. Entrepreneurship education is a cross-cutting thread across different subjects. And so if we can do that, if we can help it into the mainstream schooling and tertiary system, that's how democratization of this education or this kind of thinking will happen. And it needs to be made available through fun, relatable, interactive ways, allowing young people to, to play with it, to learn from it, to, to engage with it in, in completely different ways to which they currently engage with subject matter. And I mentioned in the TEDx talk that entrepreneurship education will be the great equalizer. And that's where I think if we are able to give those skills, um, rich and, and poor alike will have the opportunity to use their agency. Yes, there's a whole ecosystem that needs to form again, uh, around that, but that thinking will already put you ahead in, in the race. As we wrap this very inspiring and practical episode, Yogi goes into just how urgent it is to make entrepreneurship a priority and drive home the value of it being a human right. She shared many of the responses she's gotten from her TEDx talk about how others see this as a movement. Absolutely. I, I mean, I refer to it as a, a mission and a movement for, for change. And, and it's interesting that people really responded to that, even in the feedback to the TEDx talk. It was very much about how do I join this movement? Because I'm, you know, I so believe in it. And I, I feel that urgency because, you know, maybe I've got a child who, uh, I, you know, I know that they're headed into that kind of future. And, and or I, you know, I, I can see what's coming at us and I want to be part of progressing young people um, into that. And, and I referenced this, this quote from, um, which is a, a Chinese quote, which says, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. Wow. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, right? If we don't feel this urgency, we are just going to have more of what we already have. That, again, the quote that says nothing changes if nothing changes. We can't expect that the future is going to look different, that young people are suddenly going to be, you know, better equipped, that unemployment levels will suddenly drop, uh, you know, if nothing changes now. And we've got to ensure that that future looks different from the present. And that is why we've got to recognize the urgency of this. We've got to take action. And those actions can be small actions, as we said, in our homes, at our workplaces. Um, at, you know, they could be bigger actions. They could be, you know, government taking the call to actually say, this is going to be integrated into the curriculum. We're going to train our educators on how to uh, to teach this because as you said earlier it's it's learning by doing as well right so so we need to be able to have those small and large actions if we're expecting to see any change otherwise it's a lovely TEDx talk and a great podcast conversation and it'll end there thanks so much yogi and to the entire foundation team because this is a team effort and thanks to everyone listening 
And make sure you share these episodes with someone who cares about the power of entrepreneurship to change society. I'm Timothy Maurice. Until next time.